So good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair of New Church Live. It is wonderful to have you here today. We have a beautiful service ahead for you. And whether you're joining us in our small studio audience or whether you're joining us online, whether you're joining us today or throughout the week, months, years ahead, it is wonderful to have you here today as we look at a beautiful idea. And that's the idea around beauty, finding, finding beauty in the world. And then so much of life is that actual search for beauty. We find it all kinds of different places. And one place I want to throw out there, a very specific one with a specific invitation, is for you to think about joining our book club we have starting this coming Wednesday and Thursday night. You can choose Wednesday or Thursday. And, and the book we're going to be looking at, folks, is this beautiful book, Mitch Albom's book, Finding Chica. Now, he's the one who wrote Tuesdays with Maury, The Five People You Meet in Heaven, famous author. It's a phenomenally good book. Now, again, I'm saying this knowing <clears throat> that some of you will be looking at this later on. And, uh, you know, weeks, months, years down the road, we always have these kind of things going on. This book is great. And, and it gives us a lot of thoughts around spirituality, around sort of how can, we, how can we live it. And him and his wife went through one of the hardest things anybody has to go through, which is the loss of a child. And, and the book is powerful. It's powerful to watch how they go through it. It's not... It's not a book that doesn't say there isn't heartbreak. It's not a book that finds inspiration in all things. It's a book that's very candid, but a book that helps us to really understand the depth of life from a spiritual perspective. And I just wanted to read to you the last, uh, you know, the last, last sentence of his book, because it's so good. And it sort of was the, I don't know if I'd call it the epiphany, but the insight him and his wife had at the end. But no matter how a family comes together and no matter how it comes apart, this is true and will always be, a, be true. You cannot lose a child. And we did not lose a child. We did not lose our daughter. We were given one. And she was glorious. So beautiful little thought there. And again, warmly invite you to, to join that. You can join it on our homepage, www.newchurchlive.tv. So with that, folks, let's, let's go ahead and get started today. And today with, we're working on this series, and it's a series called Enchanted. This sort of holding it at the team level. And it's this idea that one of the biggest blocks we have in life is, is we stop seeing the world with wonder and awe. We stop seeing the world as this amazing place. And what gets in the way? Skepticism, cynicism, criticism. If that's what we're going to organize our life around, skepticism, cynicism, criticism, life's going to be pretty tough. And, and, and there's a confirmation bias in all this, that, that the more we complain, the more we will find to complain about. Confirmation bias means we come at life from a certain perspective, and then we just draw in the details that just confirm that bias. And if that bias is towards complaint, of course we're going to find more and more things to complain about. Ready for this? Because there are. <laughs> There are tons of things to complain about. And we can make a choice. I love this New Yorker cartoon that shows how that can work in a not so good way. It's a waiter talking to a couple of patrons and at the bottom the waiter says, can I bring you something else to complain about? And, and I, think, I think that's true, right? We, we can sort of invite like, oh yeah, please bring me more and more things to complain about. And, and it's interesting too, just a little aside, is that's why I think we have to be careful you know, in terms of, of conversation, because I think complaint is the easiest form of communication there is. Easiest thing to, to somehow become part of is, is complaint. And, and we can move beyond that into something much bigger. And what is that something much bigger? Well, here I want to share with you this beautiful quote from Thomas Merton. Listen to this, folks. And this is, again, one that's totally worthwhile taking a screenshot of, or if you're here in our studio audience, taking a picture on your phone, this beautiful quote. Life is simple. We are living in a world that is absolutely transparent. And God is shining through it all, all the time. And Merton famously said, people are walking around shining like the sun. I love that line. This is not just a fable or a nice story. It is true. If we abandon ourselves to God and forget ourselves, we see it sometimes, and we see it maybe more frequently. God manifests himself everywhere, in everything, in people, and in things, in nature, and events. It becomes very obvious that he is everywhere and in everything, and we cannot be without him. You cannot be without God. It is impossible. It's simply impossible 
The only thing is that we don't see. So as the musicians come out here, like, just hold that, right? Like, what if today we came out of this service and we just, for a minute, were able to see? To able to see life much more broadly, to see, be able to see life much more beautifully. And it doesn't matter at what age you're seeing it, whether you're seeing that as a child with childlike eyes or whether you're seeing that on your 70th birthday. You know, what, what can you see? What can you see when you really start to do this? When you start to see the beauty and you start to see God everywhere. complain to a butterfly fighting back and forth cause they can't keep dry in the rain have you ever seen the moon on strike cause the stars did something that he didn't like do the trees hide naked on a winter's night in shame There are times it helps to measure yourself against the sky so you remember birds don't cry Birds don't cry No, no Did you ever hear a sparrow weep cause the winds were blowing and she couldn't sleep she just cuddled up and without a peep she slept on have you ever watched a falling snow and the whole world reflected in its afterglow have you seen how things when you just let go kept on Sometimes you gotta measure yourself against the sky So you remember Birds don't cry Birds don't cry No, no so high you can't touch down cause the air feels sturdier than solid ground you can walk or fly and without a sound you can hear and the secret lost comes right through that the life you live it's the one you choose and you see the bars that your own hand drew disappear That's the moment that you measure yourself against the sky so that you remember birds don't cry birds don't cry birds don't cry no no so don't you cry don't you cry Ha, 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 ha.
Oh, fun. So, so folks, it's, it's again, wonderful to be chatting with you here today because it really is a fun service. It's fun to talk about what it's like when we can really start to see the beauty of seeing God everywhere. And it's not that we need to create that. It's, it's not that we need, in a weird way, and I would offer this gently, it's not like we're on a search for God. God's on a search for us. And it's really about opening our eyes to what is. And when, and when we do, sort of everything becomes a miracle. And, and I, was, I was chatting with a, with, a, with a young person yesterday, a teenager, and, and uh, he mentioned something and I said, oh, that would be a great sermon. And it was a, it was a line about um, going on a hike and it was going down a hill. It was like going down the hill is, is voluntary, coming back up is, is mandatory. That was from the park rangers. And, and I loved that line. I said, oh, that could be a sermon. And he's there, you think everything could be a sermon. And I'm like, yes, it can. It really can be. You can find sermons all over the place and you can find beauty all over the place. I mean, that's what people do. And then folks, you think about the people who inspire you in your life. Aren't they those kind of people? Yes, they're the people who who can show you, who can, who can tell you, who literally start to find God everywhere. And that makes the world highly enchanted. Highly enchanted. And it makes the world an incredibly fun place to work at discovering again and again. Last week, beautiful, beautiful occasion. We had little baby Nolan here. And, and little Nolan got baptized last week. Uh, it was wonderful to do, love doing baptisms, love doing baptisms. And, and you know, part of this for Nolan is, is we're going through the questions with the parents, the, the questions of baptism. And, you know, one of the commitments I'm paraphrasing here is, is do you commit to, to helping Nolan to, to find God in his complete word? In other words, to find God in revelation, in all kinds of forms of revelation. And then, and then also, and to find God in all of his life's experiences. I think those two have to go together. Right? Like imagine you raise that, that, that little boy and you, you raise him to see God, to, to go to, to be able to see God and God's word and at the same time be able to see God in all of the world around them. I think that's a powerful place to be standing in as a parent and then it allows us to move back into life with a, with a very different kind of view. Because, because then we can marry the two. We can marry sort of the, the, the beautiful paradigm that theology creates as well as life experience. But the two have to go together. I mean, that's so core to the Christian New Church perspective. You can't divorce experience from, from theology. They, they, they're mutually reinforcing. You know, simple stories. Having stories of, you know, teaching kids a story of creation, like, oh, God created this stuff. Isn't this good? Look, he only made it one of two ways, good or very good. What about the story of Christmas? I mean, all of the Christmas story takes place at night. Everybody moves except for the bad guy. There's some lessons there in life. Easter. What about Easter? We got that coming up. Boy, we all go through Easter. It's, as a pastor, I feel that's just a, a constant refrain, constant conversation with people is, yeah, you're going through your Easter right now. And they know right away what I'm talking about. Period of death, period of waiting, period of resurrection. We know God holds the whole thing. And that greatest of questions, I think, theologically, what does love look like? What does love do? Welcome to the world of Jesus. That's what we're to look at. That's what we're to follow. Again, say it over and over again. Never commands us, worship me. His command is always follow me. And it's always about that kind of loving, loving service. That's the world we want to create, right? That's the world I think as parents we want. That's the world as grandparents we want. That's the world just as people that we want. We want to be able to see God everywhere. And we have these glimmer and glimpses of it. And, and again, you've had them, folks. You bring them to mind right now. And... Sometimes we find ourselves in a cave. Sometimes we find ourselves in a cave. I have no statistical reference here, but I would bet you dollars to donuts, probably at least 50%, 60% of those watching right now are in a cave. <laughs> you know, nothing better, no better way to get people to church than have a cave experience where it just feels like, ah, oh, life feels constricted, it feels dark, it feels hard. Feels like I can't get out. Feels like I can't understand things. It feels like I'm caught. 
And, and, you know, folks, with that cave experience, I think that's a time in life, and this is a little bit of an aside, where instead of seeing life holistically, instead of seeing life in a totality, what we do is we see it just as a photograph, no longer as a movie. We just see one little frame, and we're sure the rest of the movie, here's this little frame, the rest of the movie will just be that same frame repeated over and over and over again to all eternity. Now, is that true? No. No. You know, life is a movie. Life does evolve. Life does grow. And, and this is a beautiful Old Testament story, thousands of years old, that's about that, that coming out of a cave and being able to see life in a brand new way, be able to see life out of the cave. And again, folks, it's not, please, if you're in the cave, you know, th this story is this way. It's about a cave because that's what we do. That's, again, critical part of Christian new church perspective is it all belongs. It's not that if you're in a cave, you're, you're bad or wrong. No, you're just in a cave. That's part of life. And there's some way in which we understand the bigger picture and start to recapture our view of beauty that we can see life in a much better way. So let me set up the story for you. This is the story of Elijah. And Elijah is sort of a young hotshot, young hotshot prophet. And he's, he's doing his work. He's doing what, what God has asked him to do. And then he gets scared, scared out of his mind because this really powerful king and queen have said, we are after you. As soon as we find you, we're going to kill you. So he literally flees for his life, finds himself in a cave, absolutely positive. There's no way out. Absolutely positive. He's totally alone. Absolutely positive. He has no allies. And all he's left with is this, is this really deep, deep, deep complaint around life and how life is for him. And it's, and it's, it's, it's despondency. It's despair. And, and folks, again, I, I don't want to treat it lightly because you've been there. I've been there. This is part of our human experience that we share. And it's, it's why the Bible, folks, it's why the Bible, I think, has, has stood the test of time. Because we can read these stories that are literally thousands of years old, and they speak to an experience we have day to day. So can I share that with you? I want to share a beautiful story about this Elijah and about what, how life worked for him. So he's in the cave. This is where we pick up the story, 1 Kings 19. And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. In other words, I've tried to do all the right things. The Israelites, which were his people, have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Now, if you read this story in detail, you know that how he reports things is not accurate. His memory of what's happening is not accurate. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And this is a real typical, just as a Bible scholar, this is a real typical motif where it starts as an angel and ends up with God. And, and folks, see God saying this, like, like just, again, don't see God like, get out of the cave. No, it's not what he's saying, like, look, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. And you have to see God saying that gently. And that gentleness, that word gentle, will come up. So we move, the story moves on. He goes out, he stands out there. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper, sometimes translated a still small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. That's, that's so powerful. I, I think folks, I wanna, I wanna chat about this some, you know, in terms of how this, how this can look in life. 
I think in life, again, we, we, we tend to think of beauty and, and seeing God everywhere. We tend to think of the most powerful experiences we can have, but that's not what this story's about. And it's not that life doesn't have its powerful experiences. Of course it does. But, but we're talking here about the human condition and the human psyche and how, and how that might work. Think about the wind. Think about the wind, the crazy thoughts that go through our mind. Most of us in this room today or watching from your living room, wherever you are, are only one phone call or text message from a whole bunch of crazy thoughts, <laughs> right? Just think about it. Think about a, a, a message you got, uh, something somebody sent, and all of a sudden it unleashed all these crazy thoughts in your mind. That's the earthquake. How good are you at listening to life at that point? How much can you hear? How much can you see? Not a whole lot. So that's that wind. And the second part is, is this earthquake. And I sort of see this as these, these seismic shifts in life where the, where the rocks literally rumble, where we feel the ground under our feet shifting. Probably some of you had that experience this week at some point in time or at least over the past month. And we all have those earthquake experiences too. They're there and they're, they're dramatic and they're really hard. And it's not an easy place to find God. It might be easier than the powerful wind as I would see it, but it's not an, it's not an easy place to find God because we're so consumed with survival. And any time, I think, in the, in the human condition that survival is our primary motive, which it will be sometimes, it's really hard to hear the voice of God, much less the voice of other people, much less the better angels of your nature, your own voice. And then what about the fire? Here we can think in terms of an internal sense, a poetic sense, we can think about the fires and the passions of life where maybe in those fires and passions somehow we'll, we'll, we'll find God in all that. I think that's, that's one of the real dangers, actually, that we have to be careful of with spirituality because spirituality can have that feeling to it. But my experience as a pastor is that people who come into faith really hot, quote-unquote, in other words, they come in with a lot of fire and passion, ready to go, it burns out pretty quickly because <laughs> it's not sustainable. We can't live that life. It's just like a marriage is not a bunch of first dates one after another. That's not how it works. It's made up of a lot of really boring Wednesdays. So how does God show up? And here, folks, like the image, I think, is, is so powerful. God shows up in this gentle whisper. This gentle whisper. That juxtaposition of these two, people have been preaching on this, sharing this story. I mean, this story has probably been shared hundreds of millions of times, if not billions. Because doesn't that speak to life? Where, where we're left with, okay, am I going to find God over here in all this noise and all this confusion? Or am I going to find God over here in the gentle whisper? And friends, what's the only way to hear a gentle whisper? It's to be quiet. It's to be quiet. Be still and know that I'm God. That's what this is talking about, this, this much greater stillness that we're to search for in life. And what is it that, that that gentle whisper says? What is it that that gentle whisper shares with us? Well, it shares this, this beautiful question. Then a voice said to him, this is God's voice, what are you doing here? <laughs> and we were talking about that in sermon writing team. And, and some people are parents, some people aren't. But we all have sort of, you know, young, younger people who we've shepherded in some way, shape, or form. And, and again, you have to put gentle whisper in front of what are you doing here? Because folks, think about that. Did your parents ever ask you, what are you doing here? And they really wanted to know the answer? Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of the time it's like, what are you doing here? 
And, and one of the people on sermon writing team was saying, yeah, you could just like, you know, he found in his parenting, you could stress any word like, what are you doing here? Or what are you doing here? Or what are you doing here? You know, no matter what, it comes across as this very accusatory question. But that's not what God is looking for here. It's a gentle whisper. And this is how I'd ask you to hear it. Let's all get a big breath here, folks. Ready? Picture God smiling at you. Picture words forming around the wisdom of tenderness. And out of that smile and out of that tenderness comes this very loving phrase, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And you see, that question, we ask it gently, boy, it goes so many different ways. If it goes to shame, please listen, please let this get into your souls. If it goes to shame, you're not listening to the right voice. You're hearing a God that's not there. If it goes to a legitimate questioning of where you are and why you're there, as well as an inspiration, inspire, spiritus, God, breath, wind, that idea of God breathing into you, then I think you've really heard the question, really heard what the question was intended to do. I love, you know, my teaching career. I taught, I've still, I still have taught far longer than I've been a pastor. I taught in, in uh, three different secondary schools and loved, loved each one of those experiences. Each one very different, but great career I had teaching. And my last stop, I was, I was able to teach freshman boys religion. And, and it's a great time of life to be teaching young men about God. And, and we, we, we looked at the Gospel of John. That's what their, their curriculum was. And there was this beautiful line. We used the old, the, excuse me, the New King James version of the, of the Bible. A bunch of translations. People will translate this line differently. So if you're looking at home on your Bible, if it's not that version, this is not what it will say. But I love the New King James version of this first question. Do you know what the first question Jesus asked in the Gospel of John was? Beautiful question. And I think it's very close to this. He said to these two of his first followers that he's calling to follow him, again, follow him, not worship him. He says, what do you seek? That's really good theology. What do you seek? What are you after? And you see, folks, there's, there's the two keys to communication are embedded right in that. The, the two keys that we know that we know because, well, that's how we're created. We're created to sort of resonate with this stuff that we talk about in here. And then what are those two keys? Curiosity and empathy. Both are in there. Curiosity, and then there's this deep empathy around life as, as, as others see it. And, and can, we, can we sort of put ourselves in their place and then be curious as well at the same time? It's a powerful way to see the world. See, I, I think here, folks, the Lord is doing that gentle coaxing. If you read it carefully, if you read those passages carefully, this is one I, I didn't occur to me, actually, until preparing for this particular sermon. And I've looked at this story, preached on this story many times. You know something that's amazing? Elijah didn't come out of the cave until he heard the whisper. He didn't come out with the wind he didn't come out with the earthquake. He didn't come out with a fire. And ready for this, neither would you. <laughs> but what did he come out with? He came out when he heard that gentle whisper. When he was still enough and trusting enough to do that. That's the place we want to be in life. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about how that when we come out of the cave, how does the world start to look anew? Not where we're somehow, we're no longer trapped by fire, earthquake, and wind. We're pulled out by a gentle voice, pulled out into a world. And all of a sudden, as Thomas Merton would say, we see. 
We see everyone walking around like a million tiny suns. So, you know, in sharing folks, you know, this, this, the power of this, right? And it, thinking, Ken, what are you doing here? Don't, just, just please hear that so gently. Hear it so gently. I mean, we all have times we're in the cave. We all have times where we feel lost. Imagine pulling up, as we used to do in the old days, pulling up to a convenience store, seeing a wonderful older clerk there, obviously smiling like the sun, just very gracious person, you go in to ask directions, and they start by first asking, yeah, what are you doing here? Because they want to know what your journey is and how it's unfolding. And what are you doing here? I think that may be the spirit that we can start to have in terms of, of how these things can move forward. Because, because, folks, it's so easy to lose track of the present moment. Well, and I realize, like, as I say, it's so easy to lose track of the present moment. Well, what if you're living in a moment where it is really stressful, where you are in the cave? Yeah, that is the present moment. 
It is, and, and I don't want to say that it's easy to move out. It is really hard to do, and we don't do it instantaneously. Sometimes, in some caves, you know, I think especially caves that deal with traumatic, unexpected loss of a loved one, it may be years, it may be decades, it may be this whole lifetime that we're wrestling with that cave. And friends, remember this, though, too. Stepping out of the cave is also stepping into the present moment. Like the present moment's in each place. Out of the cave is every bit as real and more so than just being in the cave. And maybe, you know, I, 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 maybe that's, that's like where our freedom lies. You know, so much of life we don't, you don't, I don't. We don't get to choose a whole lot of circumstances. I realize right now somebody's going, yes, I do, and I'm thinking, yeah, wait till you're 58. <laughs> it's not going to feel that way. Do we choose a lot of circumstances? Absolutely. Do we choose them all? No way. And we can gently choose to hear that gentle whisper and to maybe take a step out, out of that cave, and start to see the beauty in the world around us. That's a very powerful place to be. And what's, what's fascinating about it, here's a little brief diversion into a theological deep dive. One of the, the fascinating parts about this, and here I'll read you a piece of, 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 of uh, New Church Theology from Emanuel Swedenborg, he says, you know, when we do that, when we're reborn, he said, the good impulses of charity make themselves evident in the new feelings belonging to our outer selves and the true ideas of faith do so in the memory. Now, now that's, that's kind of heavy theological language. What, what that means, folks, is that, that our loves start to grow. But this is one I've been thinking a lot about. Your memories also will change. Isn't that interesting? Your memories also will change. It's, it's interesting watching. You, you know, we, we have these memories of all these tra traumatic events and hard things, and then something good happens. Isn't it amazing how fast we can let a lot of those memories go? And one of the, one of the big sort of tricks, I think, that hell can play on us is we actually believe those memories are 100% true. I, I want to offer to you, they might not be. Those memories are not the facts as they happen per se. Those memories are the facts that you've decided to pay attention to, decided to hold on to, some of which are good and some of which are bad. But when we allow, when we allow a new kind of love, a new kind of faith into our heart, those memories start to shift because we're consistently moving through life where like every moment starts to get backfilled into new memories. And, and, and just imagine that, that that backfill that's happening, here's the moment, backfill, here's the moment, backfill, here's the moment, backfill. Imagine every one of those moments had at least a tiny little hint or smell of beauty. Here's the current moment. I'm going to put beauty back into my life, into my memories. Here's the current moment. I'm going to put beauty back into my life, into my memories. Here's the current moment. I'm going to put beauty back into my life, back into those moments. I, I think we can do that, folks. I think we are, we are all free to do that. We're all, and I think God encourages us constantly to do that. And, and I think he asks us the question, like, well, what are you doing here? Because I think he wants us to look at him with a smile and goes, go, yeah, what am I doing here? Like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? What am I trying to offer? What is my cause? What is my thing to carry through life? What am I doing here? It's a great question. Imagine life, imagine folks, we, we could live life that way. And then we're not kind of waiters at a table saying, what more can I bring you to complain about? Instead, we're seated at the table and we see God or an angel or a loved one, like take the peck, what is the most meaning for you today? And we see them in that role of a waiter coming up to us. And instead of saying, 
what can I bring you more to complain about? It's, it's they're coming to us going, what more can I bring you to be grateful for? I mean, just folks, like, sit with that. Sit with that. What more can I bring you to be grateful for? Huh. Yeah, what am I doing here? What more can I be grateful for? What more beauty can I see? How much wider can I cast my vision around God? I think those are the things we are all asked to think about, all asked to consider. And then we end up in this incredibly beautiful place from Psalm 1611. You make known to to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. And and we see that fullness of joy echoed again in the New Testament. I don't only bring you joy, but I'm here to bring you Jesus. I'm here to bring you fullness of joy. It goes back to this passage. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't want, he's not not here in this endeavor to give us partial joy or part-time joy. No, he's here to give us a fullness of joy. And that, not just wanting to give it, it is what he's giving us. And it's there if we have the eyes to see it. That's what Merton is talking about. And then we, then we see God's transparency in the world in a totally different way. And that transparency, is, as someone pointed out on Sermon Writing Team, we tend to think of transparency as, as here's a lens and there's light coming, like light coming from this direction through the lens. But, but God in this paradox makes no sense to me. In this lens, we start to see life through. It's not just light shining this way, right? But it's light shining this way as well. So we just see light everywhere. Very few people are there. But isn't it interesting, folks? Like, what do we call those people? I think maybe, I don't know. I'm going out on a limb saying there's three of them in the world. You know, what do we call those people? We say they're enlightened. <laughs> I mean, there's a phrase that says a lot. And it, folks, it doesn't mean, again, that, that life is easy. I, I just, it's... it's um, It's why I think we need to be super careful about any faith that promises like a life of ease. It's not that. It's a life of meaning. The world is constantly going to be offering you recipes for a life of ease and comfort. May church never do that. May any church, synagogue, mosque, really good nonprofit, what it needs to offer is a life of meaning and a way to live that. A way to understand this beautiful paradox of being human. There were all these different parts. We're the cave, we're stepping out of the cave. Of course, we're going to have times where where earthquake, wind, and fire, we're going to think that maybe where we're here, God. And, and then we'll have these other blessed moments where we actually hear the gentle whisper. That's part of the paradox of our existence. The beauty is we get to live it. I want to close with this beautiful, beautiful thought from Kate Baller. It, was actually, it actually came up online this morning. Kate Baller, you want to read one of the best Christian authors out there today. Kate Baller is the one. This is something phrased, remembering it all. God, our bodies remember the sleepless nights and cold sweats and unrelenting stress. Show us how to process all that we suffer. Mm -hmm. Just listen to music as we sing this. Blessed are we when we decide to make room for all of it, the fear, the gratitude, the complexity, the suffering. Blessed are we who pour out to you the whole of it, unedited, all the terrible truths and fears and what ifs. The gratitude for those beautiful hearts in action who came willingly into the strange and awkward space that is my need. Blessed. Blessed are we learning as humans together that pain is inevitable. Nurses are wonderful. Hospitals are loud. People are brave. And we grow. And we hurt. And we heal. And then we do it all over again. Because this beautiful paradox is what it means 
This beautiful paradox is what it means to be human. Amen. Please close the service now with joining me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you, Lord, for those experiences of life. And whether we find ourselves in the cave or whether we find ourselves in a place where we can hear the gentle whisper, just know you hold us through both. You've always held us in all those things. And maybe just give us a little sense of courage to take that next step forward with that gentle whisper. That next step and where we can start to see beauty in all the world, in all your creation, in all your people. That enlightenment that we can strive for and hope for and maybe experience ever so briefly. Be with us in the weeks ahead, Lord. Guide our ways as we move towards Easter season. Hear our prayer. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, friends, and bring you home. Amen.
Thank you. Happy birthday, Mom. Thank you. God bless you all. Have a great week. <laughs> It's all good.